What's going on, everyone? I'm Alex Miller from the Eagle, joined by Travis Brown. We're here from Kyle Field following Texas A&M's upset loss to Appalachian State this afternoon. Travis, uh, A&M was a three-score favorite. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if App State made it a game, but I certainly didn't think A&M would get upset today. You know, I, I will say on my predictions, I had it, I think it was like 41 21, 42, 21, something like that. But there was something in my gut that was saying uh, th I just didn't see enough in them last week to say that they were going to necessarily make a big jump this week because they needed to make a big jump this week from what they did against Sam Houston State. I know people are going to say it's App State, they're a uh, Sunbelt team, everything like that. But, but they're a team that Jimbo Fisher has said has – I think uh, all but one person on their uh, defensive line is a fifth-year starter, and they have fifth- and sixth-year starters on the offensive line. And he, we know that these games are won and lost in the trenches. They're going to need some pretty good execution to beat that kind of experience. And they, I mean, not only did they not have close, they, they weren't even in the same ballpark of this right execution they needed to have that, as that. So um, it, it wasn't necessarily a, a trap game, I would say, because I think that, Appalachian State has a little bit more respect than that now, especially with what they were able to do against uh, uh, um, North Carolina last week. But it, it is 100% not a game that AM needed to lose, had no business losing, and probably will go down as, as about the worst performance on both sides of the ball in the Jimbo Fisher era. Yeah, you know, when you, when you kind of look at it, Adam's woes really start on the offensive side. You know, didn't really get it done last week that well, even though they scored 31 points. Um, but today, those issues were really brought to light. And, and in a lot of ways, twofold, App State kind of beat AM in its own game with long drives, controlling the clock, controlling the game. And, you know, whereas we've seen AM kind of do that to teams in the past, the Aggies really got a dose of their own medicine today. So when we were sitting in here during that three hour rain delay, or really out over there doing a uh, uh, Twitter space, kind of breaking down the first half. The one thing that we said that can, that AM could hang their hat on, that they could be proud of, was defensive line play. And I think that's exactly what did them in defensively in this game. Sure, they 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 only let up 17 points, and that should be enough to win a ball game. They 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 did the job in that sense, but. They just couldn't get any penetration against run blocking uh, when they were running the ball. And, and you know, we, we were talking about this. You said, yeah, but they're, they're averaging 3.2 yards a run. But every time it came up to one of those third, first off, they were getting it to where it was third and short just about every time they needed to or, or short yardage. And they you knew one of the reasons why I think they, uh, um, they had the confidence to go out there and try it on fourth down so many times is they knew if they needed to get a yard, they could get a yard against this A&M defensive front. And that is just light years away from where they were and, and frankly where everyone thought they would be preseason because they thought this defensive front would be probably the strongest area of this team. So, yes, it's hard to lay too heavily into the defense because they did only allow 17 points, but part of that was because App State was just using as much time as they possibly could to get it into the end zone as well. It could have been bigger. There was this couple, you know, a wide open touchdown grab that was dropped. Um, there were a couple of plays, a couple of penalties here and there that it actually could have been a lot worse than that. I don't think the defensive line played very well today, and they're going to definitely need that to step up if they're going to do anything this year. Well, and what was interesting was that whereas A&M, you know, their base defense is that nickel look, 4-2-5, two, 
They're running a lot of three down linemen stuff with a with a dime package, bringing in Jared Kurz, that sixth defensive back. I don't know how much that plays into it. I, you have to go look at the film. But, I mean, when you think about it from that standpoint, that's only like five, maybe six guys in the box versus six and possibly seven. And, you know, you're right. App State, they consistently got the ball going down the field. They averaged over five yards a play on first down, 5.8 yards per rush on first down. I went back and looked. I mean, when you're getting in those short-yarded situations and you have the savviness of Chase Bryce, I mean, he was like 7 of 9 on third down passing. Uh, one of the touchdowns came on third down, uh, had a big fourth down conversion. I mean, you really saw the veteran presence on App State Whereas AM still kind of inexperienced, a lot of youth up front, that kind of that kind of played against the Aggies today, it seemed. Yeah, you know, uh, the 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 thing I did like about that dime package is the times when they did run it against passing plays, they usually blitzed an extra man or two from the secondary in those kinds of packages to to add a little something. And that's when you were able to see a little penetration, whether it be like, for instance, Damani Richardson getting in and knocking down that play that they thought was a scoop and score touchdown was brought back uh, because of uh, uh, they said it was an incomplete pass. Uh, or there's a few times, too, when blitzing that guy outside the dime actually opened up space with a, a guy chipping over to pick up the blitz for one of the defensive linemen to get back in and get pressure. At times it worked, even though because they were willing to take a few more risks out of it, the four-man rush just was not working against uh, that offensive line today. Yeah, and then on the other side of the ball, I mean, I don't know what your grades are yet. Uh, you're filling in for Robert Sesson of the day. Uh, but, I mean, on offense, A&M just – really bad <laughs> well I mean we can put it this way I will try to go back and look through numbers of plays run by the A&M offense through the years and I could only go back to 1999 and getting the exact game logs and the fewest amount of plays run between 1999 and now was 42 against OU in 2002 the fewest ever run by an A&M offense was 29, not that far off from 38, and that was in 1945 against SMU. It was a 3-0 Aggie win against the Mustangs. Like, like that is 1945 running numbers in plays, not, you know, the sometimes hundreds of plays that uh, offenses run now. It, it, a lot of that had to do with the defense not getting off the field, but a lot of it had to do with them not being able to establish the run, constantly being behind the schedule, uh, and, and having to get chunk yardage um, throughout, throughout the game. It, it just, nothing clicked at, at all on offense. I don't, I don't know if there's a single bright spot you could take out of anything on offense. Yeah, you know, not great on offense, but in, in some ways, too, it's kind of hard to really judge some things because Anum just wasn't on offense enough to yeah. really see what could come of things. But I will say Haynes King, he really struggled today, was was a little was a little loose with the football at times, lost it a couple times, uh, had a couple of bad plays and some of those designed runs. And, you know, again, offensive line just just couldn't couldn't really get it going up front. Well, you know, and, and going yeah, the offensive line is the, the crux of the problem here because, you know, I was talking with, with someone and, and, yeah, there has been worse A&M offensive lines in the last six or seven years in pass blocking than this one. 
Uh, they do at times give Haynes King enough time to do what he should be able to do. But there is defenders in his face a lot too. The thing that's been the most interesting about this offensive line that hasn't necessarily plagued A&M offensive lines is their run blocking. They just can't open up really any holes for Devon A-Chain. If you notice, uh, the, the one touchdown run he had where he zigzagged back had a big old wide open hole. But the other long run he had in the fourth quarter was around the outside. Um, and maybe they needed to run a few more stretch plays, but they, they just weren't getting it. They're not getting it done between the tackles uh, there. The other interesting thing, too, that seemed to be the saving grace of this Aggie offense, if you looked at the Sam Houston State game, was, okay, they might not be running the ball well, but they might give up a little bit of that for the kinds of chunk yardage, the explosive passing plays they were able to get against uh, the Bearcats last week. But if you look at that, they only tr attempted two passing plays over 20 yards, and they were 0 for 2 on those. And then they were two for, or 3 for 6 on intermediate passing, 10 through 19 yards, uh, for um, uh, 30, uh, math is hard, 42 yards. Um, they're 3 for 3 for uh, minus 9 yards. Um, on, on plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, they, they lost three plays. Uh, yeah, anyway. So, I also just it's confusing. Yeah, you're fine. We're all, everything is falling <laughs> apart today. Um, so, yeah, it just it, uh, awful, awful offensive showing uh, today by, by the Aggies. Yeah, you know, in the, in the post-game press conference, Jimbo, he's looking, at, he's looking at the stat sheet, and he's looking at it, and he goes, yeah, we only ran 38 plays, and he kind of did a double take, like, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh. They only ran 38 plays. I mean, really hard to believe, um, but let's be honest. Speed and tempo, that's that's just not the M.O. of Jimbo Fisher offenses. It's not a good look, too, for the people out there who might be clamoring for uh, Jimbo Fisher to maybe take a step back and give over play-calling duties to, to Daryl Dickey or, or, or someone else because, he, he, I mean, I, I'm sure he knew the, the gravity of how little time they were on offense and how few plays they ran. Um, but that was a little telling uh, on necessarily where his mind's at uh, in, in the big picture kind of thing. Uh, something to look at down the line. Also, too, um, when asked about the quarterback situation, Max uh, Johnson was on the sidelines throughout the, the second half with his helmet on right by the coaches. Gave kind of a weird wishy-washy answer when asked about if – they thought about putting Max Johnson in, and, and he kind of said, we thought about it, but we needed more possessions, and we didn't get the possessions, so we didn't want to make a change. Kind uh, of kind of a weird answer to it all, but it was telling that he was right there by the coaches. Typically, um, your backup quarterback has his hat on and is either helping uh, relay signals or has the headset on uh, back by the benches and is, is helping out that way. So a little bit telling that way and said that, but he did say when asked about the future of the quarterback position, he basically said everything is, is open right now. Yeah, I mean, when when you look at what's ahead, I mean, Miami's coming to town. I know they kind of struggled a little bit in their win but today, but they still beat Southern Miss like 30-7. to seven. Then you have to play Arkansas, who beat the snot out of South Carolina today. Mississippi State had a good win over Memphis last week, and then you go on the road to Alabama. I mean, the, the schedule only ramps up from here. And A&M's got to really figure it out really quickly if they want to make anything out of this season. Do you know what the bright spot for A&M is in this game? The bright spot, the thing that the, the, the MVP of this game 
for in this season for A&M is the college football board of regents, the presidents who run that thing, who have voted for the 12-team playoff coming up here in two to three years. Because this is a season with that lost App State that is, is going to be a wash. I mean, they have to run the table in the SEC, win the SEC championship to have to make the case to try to get in the college football playoff. And that's what the expectations were for this season. When you come in ranked number six preseason, you're, it's not moral victories in one game at a time. It's make the college football playoff, year five Jimbo Fisher contract. You, you can probably put this season to bed when a 12-team playoff, not only does that loss against App State maybe not look so bad if they go and run the table in the Sun Belt and get one of those automatic bids uh, as one of the top six conference champions. It doesn't look as bad then because they're making the playoff too. And you have a chance with other people losing or going on and winning the conference, you're, you're, you're automatically in. So that, that's what to root for is, is the future because games like this don't hurt quite as much. They still hurt, but don't hurt quite as much. All right. Travis, we got some stories to write. Thanks for tuning in for this week's edition of our post-game recap. For Alex Miller, I'm Travis Brown. Be sure to check theeagle.com for all of our coverage from a and loss to Appalachian State. We'll see you next time.